In this podcast, we think about Christian love, true Christian love, the love that the believer is to have for others as a thankful response for Christ's love for us. Our text for this is Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to verse 13. And this podcast is an extract from a sermon preached at Temple Patrick Reformed Church. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honour preferring one another. Now we might not get any further than that. We are to be devoted in our love for the church. Not for the love of the church as a building, or the denomination that people belong to, or, or the, the, the idea of the outward visible church. You'll hear people talking about how I love my church. I'm sure that's true. We are to love the Lord's people. To love the Lord's people. And Paul starts by telling us here that that love is to be without dissimulation. I Not many of us talk about dissimulation these days. Let me put it to you like this. The love that we have for each other has to be sincere. I'm not trying to lay down a law here. Remember that this is a grateful response to what the Lord has done. Do not get to heaven by having sincere love for other Christians. This is a response. The word, the single Greek word that's rendered without dissimulation is the very direct opposite of the Greek word for hypocrisy. When we love one another as Christ has loved us, there will be no room for insincerity. There will be no room for hypocrisy. There will be no room for play acting. The love that we show for each other in the church is never an old, smarmy, put-on love. I knew a woman, and uh, a friend of ours from years back, and you know, she was such a lovely woman. And that's what she said about everybody else. If you mentioned another person to her, she would say, oh, he's a lovely man. He's a lovely person. She's a lovely woman. All the lovely people that she knew, and it wasn't very long when you found out she didn't like any of them. She just thought they were lovely people. <coughs> but it's easy to tell us that you think so-and-so is a lovely person. When your dealings with them behind the scenes are totally different. That's a kind of a put-on love. That's not the kind of love that Paul's talking about here. None of this love that's just in speech only. 
And it's not the kind of love that demands something in return. A love that gives in order to get. The love of the Christian will be real love. Love that is cleansed of self and comes straight from the heart and reaches out to others. It will love people because God loves those same people. Paul and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John, of course, both teach on this subject. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, giving offence, giving no offence in anything, that the ministry might not be blamed. He says, I speak not by commandment. This is in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And Paul, of course, John rather, in 1 John 3 and 18, says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. There you have it. A definition of love that is without dissimulation. It's not love that you just talk about. It simply comes out of your mouth. But love that is true love for the church, sincere love. And as the love of Christ issued forth in action, as the love of Christ was put into practice, as God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So our love for others would be the same as that. Love must be sincere. But then we come to this next phrase. And this is what causes some modern evangelicals some problems. Because here we are told, abhor that which is evil. Abhorrence. Now that's very strong language. Modern Christians don't like strong language. Modern Christians don't like to be told that they have to hate anything. One version of the scriptures puts it like this. Hate what is evil. Loathe ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. My goodness, if you were to turn in horror from some wickedness today, you would be called all sorts of names. If you recalled in hor- recoiled in horror from some sins today, you would be told that you have a phobia. Something wrong with you. You're Islamophobic. You're homophobic. You're transphobic. Oh, there's all sorts of things. Paul is saying that part of our love, and Paul's talking here about love, part of our love for others is to hate the sin that they are committing. Now think about that for a minute. You can't love someone who's in a gay relationship by condoning their sin, can you? You can't show them love like that. What kind of love is it that leaves someone to wallow in their sin until the day that they die and they stand before God in judgment? You can't tell a thief 
that you love him in the Lord and that you're quite prepared to tolerate his thieving behavior because after all he must have been born like that he was a kleptomaniac right from the day he was born he always had those tendencies within him not his fault he's a thief sure it's not you have to love and tolerate everything Part of our love, our Christian love for others, is to loathe sin, to abhor what is evil. I was once the pastor of a church where there was a series of rooms at the side of the church. There was a prayer room, and then there was the minister's room, and in between the prayer room and the minister's room was the choir room, or the choir sat and had its practice before it went into the church. One night, one Sunday evening, I was making my way out of the prayer meeting and into the minister's room before taking the evening service and I walked through the choir room. And just as I was walking in, the choir had their backs turned to me and they were facing the piano, you see. As I walked in through the door, I noticed there was scuffling among the choir members. They had all these wee bits of paper. And suddenly they started to put them in their pocket. And the person at the front who was handing out these wee bits of paper looked at me across the top of the choir members and she says to me, Oh, Mr. McAvoy, you weren't supposed to see this. I says, What was I not supposed to see? Me giving out the invitations to the ladies for the woman's world day of prayer up in the chapel. I wasn't supposed to see it. But I did see it. So needless to say, the next time we had a meeting of the deacons of that church, I happened to bring the matter up. And one of the deacons said to me, but you know, brother, if we're to win these people for the Lord, we have to show love for them. And I said, how do we show love for people who are dwelling in error and sin and bound for a lost eternity and living under the burden of a false gospel? How do we show love for them if we condone the false doctrine that they're living under? How do we do that? We have to show them. That if we're going to have sincere love for souls, then we must also abhor that which is evil. That's part of our love. And the world doesn't like that. The world doesn't like you talking like that. The world doesn't like you. And the church, the modern church, doesn't like the idea that you should hate anything. We should be tolerant, shouldn't we? We should accept everything. After all, didn't... Uh, John Prescott tell us in Parliament uh, a few years ago that one of the great things about Christianity is that we could tolerate everything as if he would know anything. Well, Paul wouldn't agree with him. Paul says your love is to be sincere and you're to hate that which is evil. And those two can't be separated one from another. The believer's love is demonstrated in the fight against evil because it was on the cross 
that our Savior died to conquer evil, to conquer sin, and to conquer the death that sin brings. And just as he went to the cross for sinners so that their sin would be forgiven, what then would be the point of us accepting that same sin as legitimate? Love must be sincere. Love will abhor evil. Love will cleave to that which is good. We are to fasten ourselves. Cleave is one of those strange words, isn't it? Because a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And that means that he will cling to them, to his wife. He will embrace her and he will cling to her and he will hold on to her for the rest of their natural life together. Yet when you talk about a cleaver, you're talking about something that splits something in two. One of those strange words. We will fasten ourselves to that which is good. A true believer will work for the good of others. There are many professing believers, of course, who work for their own good. But we're to work for the good of others, to love others. Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 6 and verse 10, and he says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We will be sincere in our love for our brothers and sisters. We will abhor that which is evil and sinful. We will cling to that which is good. We will be, verse 10, kindly affectioned one to another. What does that mean? To be kindly affectioned. When we talk about affections, we think of Natural affections. We think we'd be all over each other in emotional love. But a wee bit of word study soon clears that up for us. The word that's translated affectionate here is derived from the very word love. Now, whenever Paul talks about love in verse 9, and he says, let love be without dissimulation, he's actually just simply using the biblical word for love, the word agape, or if you're an American, agape. But in verse 10, Paul's using a different word, a word that is rooted in the word philios, family love. An earlier word in the same verse, a word not repeated in the AV, but in the original, is the brotherly love, Philadelphia. A literal translation of the phrase here might be, let your brotherly love be family love for one another. One translation puts it like this. Love one another with brotherly affection, for you are members of one family. I think that's one of the wonderful things about God's people. We are part of the family of God, aren't we? And we're to love one another as brothers and sisters. And that's it. Our love for each other is to reflect our family love. It's not to be some kind of an emotional thing where you have to hug everybody before you leave the the service on a Lord's Day evening. Nothing like that at all. Nothing superficial about this love. Sometimes, you know, families fall out. 
Sometimes families have disagreements. Sometimes there comes occasions, even when families stop speaking to each other, sometimes that's just the dynamics within families. But you still love each other, even when that love hurts. For the bond of family love is an organic bond that never dies. And that's what it's like to be part of the church family. That's why Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Love will be sincere. Love will be repulsed by evil and sin. Love will cling to what is good. Love will have a family bond, an affectionate family bond for our brothers and sisters. And lastly, as we love each other, we will put others first. Again, following the example of our Saviour, who gave his life for sinners, who put our salvation first. We are to give priority to each other. Paul says here that we are to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honour, preferring one another. That's going to be hard for us. It's going to require some sanctification, some work of God the Holy Spirit within us for to help us with that. Many Christians have allowed smouldering resentment to grow unchecked in their Christian life, in their assembly, simply because they have not been given their rights as they see them. Remember, when we think about Christian rights, the Christian has no rights. We are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have duties. We have responsibilities. So Paul, writing to the Philippians, says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. We're not to do anything to get glory for ourselves or thanks for ourselves. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than ourselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So the Christian will demonstrate his gratitude and her gratitude for what the Lord has done for us in the way that they respond in simple simple Christian living. And with the help of the Holy Spirit and the renewal of our minds, 
because all of this passage is set in the context of verse 1 and 2, that we are consecrating ourselves to the Lord, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the ways of this world, being transformed by the the renewing, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit through the application of the Word of God to our hearts and minds we will start to reflect in our lives and the love that we have for each other, we will start to reflect the love of Christ. Love that is sincere. Love that hates evil and sin. Love that only clings to what is good. Love that is family love. Loving our brothers and sisters. And love that puts others first.